Hey Gergo, welcome on the Dare to Share podcast once again. Um, Thank you. Yeah, nice that you could uh, come again. Looking forward to our conversation. Thanks. Um, Let's see. Yeah, so so last time we discussed your uh, your career switch, um, like your life in Budapest before, and how you decided to um, move to Amsterdam and. We touched a little bit on how you were trying to create an authentic career. Um, but then at some point we kind of drifted off in some interesting side discussions about the therapeutic relationship, meta communication, uh, and the value of honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, so today I would like to kind of pick up a little bit where we left off in the middle of the um, of our conversation in the beginning of this month. How did you go about kind of identifying the direction to create your um, your authentic career? And then specifically, I would be quite interested in hearing um, about the technique that you used with this um, kind of mind map that you made on your um, mm-hmm. on your wall of your 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 studio, mm-hmm. um, where you kind of had. I would look to me it was kind of an expression of of yourself and all the different aspects of of you and what you wanted to do and in which direction you wanted to go. So, yeah, maybe you could start sharing a little bit about that. Yeah, exactly. I just remembered it was a very very useful tool for me to set my thoughts uh, straight with regards to what I like in life, where I would like to go in life, how I imagine my future life. Um, and basically, that was a kind of a um, tool that I used on my answers to a couple of uh, guiding questions. So I was uh, first I started this online course, which was about uh, authentic uh, entrepreneurship and authentic life, and that uh, course had a lot of questions with regards to how I imagine my life, how I imagine my work to be. What are the values that uh, I can provide to other people? Uh, what are my strengths? What kind of things do I enjoy the most? What kind of things uh, do I like to talk about? What kind of things I spend my money on? Uh, how I like to spend my time usually? And then I had to elaborate on all those questions. So it was kind of an overview on the best parts of my life or the, the parts that I that were the most precious to me uh, with the intention to multiply those aspects and make as many good experiences, as many valuable, relevant and pleasurable experiences in my future life as possible. So I, I wrote very extensive answers to those. I also remember that there was this task where I had to write for, I think for 30 minutes or something on my future ideal life, just very vaguely, whatever comes to came to my mind, I was just putting it down, how I imagine my future apartment, how I imagine my day, I don't know, three or five years from now, what kind of things, what kind of projects will I spend my time on? This is just a very, very extensive uh, text, which was supposed to help me to kind of crystallize my vision for the future. And then I realized that it's just so much information that I put down. I I answered so many questions 
I have so many sentences, so many different thoughts in different areas, that it's actually really hard for me to, to put a solid plan, to build a solid plan uh, from this, I don't know, pages and pages of, uh, of descriptions of who I am and what, and what I like. So, because that was quite hard, I came up with this idea that maybe there might be some recurring topics uh, in the answers. And then I, I, was, I read uh, them through and, uh, I, and I, I identified the most important topics and also the topics that came up multiple times. For example, uh, exploration was a, was a really good abstract topic that was uh, overarching all my answers. Like I, I like exploration, mental exploration. I like exploring my own mind and other people's mind. I also like to travel and explore different cities, exploring uh, knowledge, books, uh, connected topics. So I could identify that, okay, I like so many different things, but still exploration is the main theme on all of those. So probably I should be doing something which, in which I can discover new things, I can make new connections, I can dig deeper into certain things. And then I identified a couple of these topics like uh, being connected to people, sharing knowledge, um, helping others, uh, conversations and these kind of things and then I uh, put them into separate cards these words exploration connection conversations sharing uh, peace harmony these kind of things and then I put the cards on the table and I try to arrange them in a kind of an order because I noticed that these things are also connected to each other. So for instance, conversations are connected also to exploration. Conversations are connected to making uh, connections with people, sharing my knowledge, um, listening to people. And then I could suddenly create a map of all these relevant concepts and I could see how they are connected to each other and in what way can I make sense of them. So that was a that was an interesting um, exercise on how to understand my own mind, how to get interesting knowledge out of my own mind in a, in a very conscious way. Because I had all these things in my in my mind separately. I, I like these those kind of things, but I didn't really have a conscious connection of that. Okay, maybe this whole area is something I want to do something with. Sounds like a very interesting exercise indeed. Um, mm -hmm. I'm wondering what were the, what did you discover about yourself when you were doing, um, both when you were doing that exercise and when you had created that map and you were starting to live out in a way um, from this image of yourself or live from this self-knowledge and towards the future that you wanted to go to? What I discovered? Mm. Actually, it's uh, for me, it was not about mm, 
not only about the specific things I discovered that I, I also had quite a hard time recalling specific things that I was not aware of because on some level of my experience, I was aware of all these kind of things. I knew that I, I liked traveling. I knew that I liked talking, listening. I knew it, but what was missing is how these things are connected, how these things are building up upon each other and make up uh, this, my identity, make up my personality, make up who I am. And uh, that was the most interesting uh, discovery is that Okay, all the things that I'm interested in, all the things I'm drawn to, are actually pointing towards something, or I can arrange them in a way that all of these aspects are satisfied, and they give me a general sense of direction on what I should be doing, where I should be going, just by making these con connections and making these concepts very clear in my mind. Mm -hmm. So it was not per se that you learned like completely new things about yourself, but mm -hmm. you could organize what you knew in a better way that it was and a more like a united web of all the f aspects of your personality and of your interest. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to say that I also put a lot of effort beforehand into uh, being very aware of these kind of things in me, what kind of things I like, I enjoy, what kind of, what are my values, what kind of things motivate me. But, uh, so that was a work that was done way before, but now the main progress for me at least was to, to unite all these and to see if I can at least think of a life that would uh, unite all these aspects that I like about living or our life itself and then because once you can think about a life that you would ideally like to have then there is much uh, more chance that you, you will actually be there that you will actually achieve it because then you can make plans to how how you can manifest those kind of things in in reality and even though they might be a little bit unrealistic or might be very hard at least you can see that okay this is a a general kind of future I can aim at and that that is the most important part I think at this stage yeah so what you were saying in the beginning is that there was work that took place before you started to articulate your self-knowledge in a way mm -hmm. and um, so when you started with this whole process and with this program you already had a sense of like a good idea about what are my values what do I like um, mm -hmm. because yet I know I guess practice some kind of mindfulness about it or some kind of awareness of okay what is important to me so I guess that helped you a lot to put it into put it into words and then this words helped you to put it in to like group it into smaller um, concepts together mm -hmm. and then to kind of lay that out officially uh, yeah in the wall. That was very, very helpful because, especially because I did so much work in self-awareness, I had so many different things I had in my mind, but I could never have a very good look at it. And once it was laid out in front of me on the table, that was a whole different area. All those things kind of seemed connected and I could understand it much, much better. 
what, what it is actually that I enjoy doing mm-hmm. and what I can build in order to uh, afford a living as well, maybe to get it, to make a business idea out of it or to, to at least have a, a general direction on where I can also provide these values for other people in return for uh, financial benefits. Yeah, and, and you were saying that um, like having this, so, so what you're saying is how having this image helps you to identify, okay, what helps me further towards this future? And like you start to see the possibilities, even though like you're still struggling, some things are hard. You have a general direction that helps you a lot mm-hmm. to move towards that. Yeah, exactly. um, what I'm wondering is that that's now, is it about two years ago? I think the first mind map was uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, one and a half years ago I created that one. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, it was one and a half years ago. It would be nice to have a picture of that, you know, just in the podcast to be shown. Yeah, I was I, I had I, this mm-hmm. spot earlier. Maybe I uh, if you send it afterwards I can see if I can edit it in and then shortly show it to the, to the viewers. Yeah, it was um, so funny. Can I just have one more uh, for sure. memory of that? Because I was living in Amsterdam in this very shitty apartment. Like, you know, the wallpaper was coming off the wall and it was noisy and it was dirty. And I, at some points I didn't have uh, hot water and those kind of things. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And then I used my whole wall to make this huge mind map of my ideal future and it was so helpful because even though I, I I understood that right now I'm not at the best place where I could be financially uh, considering the place where I live uh, the specific location of the apartment was also not <laughs> not good at all <laughs> from from any aspects but I could still have something which would keep me motivated which would keep me from being this depressed because I could see that okay this is something that I can that that's worth getting up for every day and that's worth uh, just bearing all the sufferings I think that it's a very very beautiful little um, yeah little memory of, of that that's very significant I think it's uh, it indicates the importance of having something to look forward to and that, that can give you the kind of the mo- motivation or the purpose, even if you're in a place that is not so, not so good financially or mentally or whatever. If you have something to look forward to, that can give you such great power, such great um, motivation to get up every morning and work, do the yeah, small things okay. that eventually uh, lead to that, to realizing that future. Also, believing that you are able to realize the future is is a very very important aspect. And even I might say that even it's not even certain that I can realize that uh, future, that exact future. But the point is that believing that I can move towards that will move me out of this place of misery and move me at least somewhere closer to that ideal place that I imagine.
and this kind of belief I think is is often missing. Sometimes I'm also missing it, and I and I meet some people who also genuinely think that they are not able to uh, do any better. And that I think that's always very really sad to to hear. Yeah, I think that's an important point as well. That it's it's not so much about um, realizing that exact future and being becoming very attached to that, because that can actually really stand in your way. I think when you're when you're traveling through time, you're going into the future and you're trying to pursue yeah. that. If you're very attached and clingy to that idea, to that ideal, then well, you might miss all kinds of opportunities that arise outside yeah. of that image and. You might not be very attuned to the feelings that arise while you're pursuing that, um, which is actually crucial in order to like, kind of update where you're going to. Yeah. And then the second yeah. point was that it's not important that it, it, it's not so important whether it's realistic to get there exactly, as long as you believe that you can make some kind of progress. Exactly. And that's another very important point you mentioned that uh, even though I created this mind map and even though I had quite specific plans regarding my future, it has changed so much in this past uh, one and a half years, almost two years, that that it was another reason why it was very hard for me to remember what exactly I discovered because many things had already changed. I, I bumped into, into some obstacles. I could see if I could get around them or I should just uh, stop pursuing that road. For example, a good, uh, good example of this is my Instagram channel, which I was doing for, uh, I think, for almost one year. And then I encountered some difficulties that I did not want to overcome. So I, could, I had to reassess the situation and see if I'm going to continue my Instagram channel as I'm continuing right now, then it's bringing me more pain than pleasure. I'm not getting the benefits that I was uh, imagining, that I was uh, planning to have from it, at least not to that extent that I was planning. And it takes me a lot of energy and also time to proceed with it. So yeah, it's important to have a general direction, but it's also super important to reconfigure it from time to time and be mindful of am I actually enjoying it? Is this bringing me closer to where I want to be? Is there a way to, to modify it slightly? If, that, if there is no way to modify it, should I just drop it? Should I try to find another way? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we also touched upon this topic a, a bit uh, last time we talked. Uh, pursuing a goal which is so far ahead in the future that by the time you get there, you will actually not be the same person and you might have different needs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that, uh, yeah, that's something that I kind of naturally go into that direction that I want to take is that since that one and a half years, um, how, how, has your, how has your journey been? Uh, so kind of what kind of endeavors have you um, have you engaged in um, what kind of things have you tried to move towards that ideal future and one thing is that you started this Instagram account care who listens and uh, well, some time ago you realized that's 
it's not exactly what you want or it's the... or at least not in this way yeah i realize it's, it's taking up so much effort of my time which is not being returned so that either i have to find a different way of make or of making content or i have to drop it completely and i still haven't decided wh which one would be the best option for that um, but what else did I encounter? That's what you asked, right? Yes. Yeah. An encounter. What did you? What did you try out? Um... Wow. There are just so many things. Like my life looks so different from the life that I had one and a half years ago that it's even difficult to, to point out the exact differences because there are much much more differences than similarities right now it's just completely out of uh, out of my sight how i lived back then mm -hmm. it's like almost uh, unimaginable that you used to live like that yeah exactly you know living in this uh, 3d room and at, at times getting up at, i don't know like five 20 or something to, to get to work by six. It's still dark and usually very, very cold and rainy. And then I was back in half an hour to, to do my job next to university. And next to, I think I also had another job at that time. I don't even remember. And now I just have such a, a way more comfortable life and I'm doing so many more things that I actually enjoy and I'm also making money with things that I really enjoy doing. So yes, so that's already two major aspects in which your life improved, like from a shitty, very shitty living situation, like where you really didn't want to live, where you didn't have the right location to meet with friends and, and all of that, to uh, well, living in, in Budapest, surrounded by uh, by people that you know, by your friends, um, in a nice studio apartment. And then from doing, well, jobs that you d really didn't enjoy mostly and were like well, quite tough working conditions, like having to get up so so early, having to work such long hours, having to mm. work several jobs um, while simultaneously doing uni next to that to, well, now... Yeah, you're doing some jobs that you enjoy and that you make a decent amount of money with. Um, besides doing the counseling service, that's really very close to your your heart mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I think like a passion of yours. Mm -hmm. That's certainly one huge improvement that uh, not only did I start believing that I'm capable of uh, giving counseling or sort of like therapy to people but that I could actually start it and I could see I could get a lot of positive feedbacks and I could reinforce my confidence in that yes whatever I do at least looks uh, valuable to at least a couple of people and uh, on that on the same note I could I could see where I can still improve and I can continue all my trainings but at the same time I can provide value to a number of people now and that's that that feels really amazing also that I feel so natural in this role 
So this is finally a job which I don't have to force myself to be in different ways. I just, I just can be completely myself and just being together with the, with the person in a way that feels very natural to me turns out to be very helpful for them. So I think that's also a very important aspect of an authentic life and an authentic business or job that you don't have to twist yourself in, in several ways in order to, to perform, to, to, to provide value. Yeah. Yeah, I think indeed like how you're feeling while you're doing your job and with what kind of feeling you get up and go and do it. It's like such an important indicator of how authentic it is and like whether this what you're supposed to be doing or what you want to be doing. Um, if you're okay with it, I would like to um, yeah, switch to the digital nomad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think also around the time maybe was a bit earlier, a bit later, like uh, around the time that you made this map, you were also uh, first encountering the digital nomad. Could you first share a little bit what uh, what what the digital nomads are, mm-hmm. um, and then maybe share some stories about how you personally encountered them and what this lifestyle means for you. Mm-hmm. So, actually, it's quite interesting to talk about this uh, given the corona situations because I guess digital nomads as they or we were existing before they we don't really exist the same way now because of the travel restrictions but the the main point of this idea or this lifestyle is that um, you are completely location independent so you can live wherever you want to live and do your work or earn money uh, primarily online uh, ways that you could accomplish from anywhere in the world. And then there are a lot of people who are using this as an opportunity to constantly travel, to go from different cities, maybe live one month or one year in one country, one city, and then relocate to another one just to experience the culture or just to have fun or just to satisfy this need for travel. And then there are people who are using this uh, lifestyle in a way that they have a home base in one of the cities, but still they can do larger trips that otherwise would not be possible with a, with a regular job that tied them to a given geographic location. And um, first, this whole idea came to me when I was working as a business consultant and I met a couple who were digital nomads for 24 years. I think now it's even more, 26 or I don't know. And that that was just amazing, especially given that they started in the 90s where internet was not even a big thing and they had to do it with phones and and, uh, traveling like that. And they are still together and they are still traveling I think right now they are in Istanbul or something I've seen. And that was so amazing for me that, oh, wow, actually my life doesn't have to look like uh, everybody else's life around me because I could see some examples of people living differently. People who don't have nine to five jobs, people who, I don't know, 
are just very culturally educated, are also really good people in their hearts. And, uh, and I know that if there are at least two people who live this way, then I can also get there in some ways. So I started researching and I also asked them how they managed to get this life. And then they said that I should need probably a lot more of, of these digital nomads and learn from them and see what they do. And just uh, it, will, it will get there very naturally. So, so that's what I did. I went uh, to this conference uh, called Nomad Cruise, where I met hundreds of uh, digital nomads, entrepreneurs, business owners, freelancers, I don't know, videographers, coaches, and of, of a huge variety of professions with uh, a couple of things in common, which is openness, the love for traveling, uh, making connections, uh, being in an international environment. And then, uh, yeah, this is how it all started. I learned a lot from them as I was planning to. Could you could you maybe share uh, like one or two memories that that pop up? Um, maybe that are most most salient to you when you're thinking of um, like either your first nomad cruise or perhaps uh, like the whole nomad uh, digital nomads experience. Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, one of the first things that uh, struck me, and it actually had quite a weird feeling to it for me because I, I felt very small compared to them. Because the, one of the first things I realized is that oh, these people just have so different problems than I do. Because at that time I was still living in Amsterdam. I had very little money working in hospitality, also doing university. So basically my whole life was a struggle. And for them, the, their struggles seemed so small compared to what I had and so set from such a different nature. Like, okay, where, where I should be traveling next time? How can I make friends there? Uh, how, can I, how can I make even more money? How can I ditch this business, which is, yeah, it's making me a lot of money, but it's not really close to my heart. And I want to do something more passionate. And I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm just happy to be able to wash dishes <laughs> back home. <laughs> so that struck me first is, wow, that people are, are living so, such different lives from the ones I had or I even imagined that uh, it, was, it was really, really interesting to, to see. What did you do with this feeling of, um, of smallness? Because I can imagine that it, like it could also, it could be very, uh, could be interpreted as very discouraging. Mm. Like, oh yeah, who am I? Like this, this small dishwasher, yeah. having all these um, problems compared to them. What am I? And then, kind of feeling com feeling discouraged and giving up. But but that's not what you did. That's not what I did uh, finally, <laughs> but initially that's exactly what I did. <laughs> so it was, it was very, very discouraging in the first few days. And I also heard this uh, from other people later on when I went back to cruises that uh, for some people it was just incredibly 
uncomfortable to 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 okay I I don't really want to share sensitive information so maybe I will not share these kind of stories because uh, I could really look into uh, some problematic aspects of uh, of mental health in on the on the cruise and uh, even though I think we handled it very well, I, I don't think it would be appropriate to to share those intimate details. But I, I know that for a lot of people, it is very difficult to see such high-class business owners and, and being around them all the time, you know, on a cruise for, for two weeks, sometimes even for three weeks uh, with, a, with a lot of input from different people lot of different professions, a lot of different nationalities, a lot of uh, challenging topics to talk about. And that was also very, very overwhelming for me. And, uh, share a little bit about your own, uh, your own experience rather than other people, because I understand that mm -hmm. can be sensitive information. And then mm -hmm. also, I think it might be interesting to share a bit like how, um, because you, um, I know after some time you came into the position of being one of the, how would you call it, not, not organizers, but one of the trust persons, mm -hmm. the persons that I was, mental health. And... Yeah, I was a part of, so I was part of the team, yeah, like a team leader or something yeah, on the next cruise, yeah. So yeah, actually I handled it quite well compared to that. There were two very important aspects to that. And one is that I realized that all oh, these people are incredibly accepting and uh, welcoming of anyone, regardless of their profession, regardless of how much money they make, they just they are just genuinely very open, and most of them are very very kind and and nice and welcoming. So that was very encouraging. It was easier to make friends with them once I could overcome my own insecurities. And another uh, thing. Actually, that's quite funny. And another thing that really helped me is uh, talking about these feelings. So I met uh, one girl. We we participated in a in a workshop together. Actually, you also met her. She's uh, Laura. She's been to the, to one of the view share sessions. And uh, in this workshop, we had to. I don't know what we did exactly. Maybe we had to come up with a problem and find a solution to that. And then all I was thinking about is, okay, my problem is that I feel so insecure on this cruise that I, 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 I can hardly speak to any, anyone because I, I, I always have this feeling that I, oh, I have to prove them that I'm, I'm, I'm worth being here, that I have to, I don't know, come up with cool ideas or, or thoughts or, or stories of my life. And I felt that I did not have them. Yet. So I just told her very honestly that, okay, that this is the problem that I'm facing right now. And I would be very happy to find a solution for that. And then she expressed that, oh, actually, that's the same thing that she is facing right now. So I could immediately connect to her on that level. And I could, we could relate to each other to such depth that our anxieties and insecurities have decreased a lot because we could see that okay this is actually not uh, the problem is not in us like we are not weird or 
or uh, I don't know what in this case, but that this is quite a natural thing to experience among these people and then we can maybe find some ways of how to uh, get past it. And the next evening, we were already having a meeting of four or five people <laughs> discussing about these things because some people just kind of joined this who also had the same kind of problems. But they, they were not digital nomads yet or they were not business owners yet and they didn't feel like they belonged there. So we could talk through them and relate to each other and then I think we could actually also get through the difficult feelings, at least I could. What I find very interesting because I, I think I remember that we had a call also when you were on this uh, cruise, like you were mm -hmm. somewhere on a, on a beach somewhere where you just like, I think the ship stopped there for a little bit. And either we had a call there or we had a even even we had a group meeting. I'm I'm not sure anymore. I remember you expressing that you were feeling yeah inferior to these people. Mm -hmm. And that this I think then we kind of explored that and it seemed like this sense of perceiving yourself as inferior, you were kind of that's how you were relating to them. You were putting them on the pedestal, making yourself very small, and having only doubts about what you could offer or like oh, no, i don't have anything to offer i can only take something from them mm -hmm. and all of that were making you like it was uh, perpetuating this sense of like oh yeah i'm small and insignificant and i have nothing to offer um and well like the experience with laura i find it beautiful that it's such a nice uh, illustration of what happens when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and to share some share something that, well, you you were feeling very anxious and insecure, um, and I think it's very easy to just, just kind of like push that away, like no, I don't want to, to to show that because then I will look even weaker. But paradoxically speaking, that is often what empowers us, and it seems like that empowered you and that empowered her as well. Mm -hmm. And then, um, what happened afterwards, I find I find interesting because. First, you had this idea, I have nothing to offer. But then in some way, this like little group that you were discussing this in reminds me a lot of the support group that we organized. So what you had to offer was both your experience with kind of organizing this kind of support group and your experience in participating in the support group for a year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Which I think I remember also later came back in some of the masterclass courses that you felt like oh yeah i'm already on a quite a high level of, of being able to communicate myself and yeah. to talk about difficult things to ask questions or to reflect on other people's experiences yeah that was also that was the second of my cruise when i realized that and that was uh, also very game-changing for me because it's something i i also didn't perceive as a value because I was surrounded with people who had the same kind of values. I was surrounded by you guys with whom we had these conversations every week. So it seemed very natural that, okay, yeah, this is what we do. This is a very normal thing. It's nothing spectacular. And then when I met a number of people who were not doing these kind of talks and were not prepared for uh, sharing intimate thoughts or their feelings or, or relate to others in this way, 
I suddenly realized that, well, actually, if we are really good in this, we are actually better than most of the people around us, like anywhere we go, because most of the people don't do these kind of things. Yeah, I think that that, that highlights some of the problems with um, comparing yourself with the bubble that you're in. It's mm -hmm. like, often you can get the idea that it's like, I, you know, the people around me are like as good or better in this than I am. So, you know, what do I have to offer? Um, but with that kind of forgetting that there's many other domains where they've, like people have way other values and other things that they're focusing at and that they're excelling at. And it's kind of this phenomenon of people living in rich neighborhoods like, like and becoming richer and richer, but the people that are comparing themselves to are also becoming increasingly rich. So they, mm -hmm. they don't feel better about themselves for having made it, like financially speaking. And it's, it's funny that that's also applies in some way to, towards something like um, <laughs> even living authentically or communicating openly um, in, in your case or in this case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so how, how did you move forward then to becoming one of the, what was your position? Was it or organizer or like? I was a team leader, which means that in the next cruise, we had so many people. We have 500 digital nomads on one ship. And uh, then the best way we could find to create some structure or to organize it is to have smaller groups. And those smaller groups had leaders who the participants can turn to if they experience any difficulties or if they have any questions or something like that. So I became one of those. Uh, and how I got there? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it happened very, also very just naturally that I made friends with uh, some of the organizers. But Ethan, I, I absolutely don't remember any conscious effort that I that I put into making friends with them. It just uh, happened somehow. Okay, one thing that was very helpful is that uh, many of them were Hungarians, which I had absolutely no clue about before going to the cruise. Because I, I was applying from Amsterdam and I didn't know anybody except these two, this couple that I talked to you about. I, they recommended me to go to do the math cruise. Uh, and then I found out that, well, actually, quite a significant part of the organizers uh, is Hungarian. And then I could connect them better because of that, for sure. And I guess just, just the same, just values that we are sharing, openness and acceptance and being friendly and the desire to have fun. And uh, I think you even told me something that you um, you drew some kind of positive attention to yourself, um, like one or a couple of the evenings when you were dancing very crazily and um, how do you call it? Um, yeah, just with a lot of a lot of energy and, and <laughs> received a lot of positive comments on that. That's true. Yeah, dancing is certainly one way to get attention. <laughs> is the way we are dancing sometimes. But one even an even more interesting aspect of uh, getting attention, which I never uh, would have thought, was that a lot of people told me that 
oh, I'm so uh, just calm and and considerate and just uh, quiet and attentive. And I always thought of these traits as the opposite of uh, evoking attention in people, you know? But I'm just always in the background. I like to observe things. I only speak up when I have something to say. Uh, I'm generally, I have a very calm um, attitude or mindset. And I never thought that some people would like me because of that. And then I got a lot of compliments uh, for that from the organizers and from other nomads as well. So that was, uh, that was also really interesting to see. Sounds like such a valuable lesson also that you learned then from uh, this nomad cruise experience that some of the personality traits and the way uh, behaviors have come very naturally to you that previously you were maybe even judging as, well, like maybe not judging it as negative, but at least not judging it as like, oh yeah, that's something positive, that's something that lets me stand mm. out. Yeah. Um, and realizing, oh, that's like actually something that people appreciate in, in me. I, I remember something like, a, I know some, some kind of quote or piece of information about the, um, like, like the leader, a leader in a group waiting until everyone has said their their thing and only then speaking up being able to have all the different pieces of information in mind and only like saying something when you actually have something to to say mm-hmm. and that it actually increases your um kind of reputation as a leader i guess and i guess also the how well you function as a leader which which makes a lot of sense because when you first take in all the information before and then what you say is also more, it's literally more informed. It's true. And it's also most probably more valuable than those expressions when people are just talking and talking in order to gain attention. But that's a very tricky question, I think, because naturally we tend to consider those people leaders who are loud, who often who speak up most often, who, I don't know, actively interfere within the group who give suggestions or advices or, or are actually guiding some dynamics or some people. And uh, it takes a much longer time for people to notice that those people can also be very valuable who are not saying much. So well, but I, on, the, on, the, on the other hand, people did like Point, like uh, kind of pick you out as like oh yeah that's something really appreciated in you and mm-hmm. then also saw you as a team leader but this can only happen i think after a significant amount of time if you meet a completely new group then you will naturally pay attention to those parts those participants who speak out a lot who are a bit more ex- exhibitionistic who you just have very loud opinions and then it like once you get to know them and once you get to know all group members i think it's more likely that you will also value the more quiet ones but i don't know at least i see this is a general tendency yeah yeah i think we could have a discussion about them i'm not like i think i see your point on the one side but i also have some 
ideas that it also can kind of give you the opposite impression in a way that like for, for instance like these expressions oh yeah someone is a loud mouth or a show off um that these are also traits in the extreme that we tend to judge as something negative mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I, but I see your point that it i think one thing about like how can you appreciate someone that is relatively quiet when they haven't you haven't heard much from them yet right and and i think this is maybe one of the underlying mechanisms or explanations why it takes longer to appreciate someone who is um tends to be more quiet a bit more shy maybe doesn't speak up so much in groups because mm-hmm. it takes longer to gather some amount of information based upon which we have some kind of assessment of who this person is as a who this person is and um, what they have to offer and, and i think yeah. often these people also tend to be more well like in, in, introverted and start to shine more in a way in one-on-one situations mm-hmm. um, because there it's the smaller groups yeah yeah it kind of simplifies the interaction and um Yeah, you, you, I, I think like I have that personally that I feel that more like I, I can like I can show myself and share what's coming up in me and also perceive like uh, receive the other person. Um, and I find it more difficult in groups, for instance. Mm-hmm. I also had that experience. And how do you feel about it nowadays? I just had that relating experience uh, this weekend but I'm also curious how you're dealing with it mm-hmm. um, well w- one thing that I like and, 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 and w- what, what's a bit tricky for me is that I don't know to what extent it's an excuse that, that I uh, that I tell myself in order to avoid the social anxiety that I tend to experience in bigger groups especially in groups I don't know so well or that don't know my place yet. Um, but anyway, we're like, um, I think what I tend to do now is that I tend to more avoid situations uh, like, like bigger group situations. And I tend to kind of uh, choose what kind of environments and what kind of events I'm going to a little bit more consciously. Um, because often when I am in group situations and I have like, like, like many of the conversations might be, I perceive them as kind of superficial and I'm not very engaged in them. It doesn't seem like it adds value for me. And then I often have these thoughts of, you know, I would rather be at home and read a book or just, um, have a one-on-one conversation with someone, um, so yeah, one is like choosing the situation more. And then also what I'm trying to do now is to be more like, because I think part of my, my anxiety also comes from, oh, yeah, I should be in a different way in these groups. I should be more like saying something or I should be enjoying it in some way. And <laughs> I had, had a situation some weeks ago where we're at like a little, like a, a party, a gathering of the uh, friends of, of uh, Mia and like I wasn't feeling very great. Also, a big part of the conversation was going on in German, and I also didn't really feel like very interested in participating. And at some point, I was like, 
Hmm. You know what? I have this whole world behind my eyes. I have this whole world in my head where I can just tune into if I want. And I can just like lie down a bit or like sit down and wonder about the, the miracles of the universe. And in a way, I, I then was more able to accept how I was feeling in that moment, what situation I was, and just enjoy the um, kind of enjoy my mind, enjoy my memory and fantasy. And then at some point, like someone whom I had talked to like some weeks ago and uh, had some nice conversations with, he came to me and me and um, he said something, he asked me if I, if I enjoyed my sleep or something like that. I was like, oh, I was not sleeping. I was just contemplating the, the universe. And that, then we just started a very interesting conversation just with the three of us, which I really enjoyed. And um, hmm. I, I could just kind of be more in touch with what there was instead of uh, like beating myself up over what I was not or how I was feeling or what I wanted to be different. That's an interesting aspect. And another interesting aspect is that you could you could uh, enter this more interesting conversation because you actually express something that genuinely mattered to you, like the universe in this, this case. And that brought up a topic to which others could connect to. Well, it was not so much that we were talking about the universe per se, but I was... I think maybe I was sharing a little bit about my experience. I was just tuning out a little bit and wondering. And then um, it was more also the setting changed. Uh, like, like Peterson has, has this, uh, says this in one of his lectures that what really helps for people with social anxiety is to, um, like when you're in a, um, in a situation with more people, to only focus on one person at a time. And then you kind of change the situation for yourself. It's like, oh yeah, I'm in a group where I don't know my place and everything is very uncertain to, okay, I'm with this one person and I can pay attention to this one person and I know how to maybe introduce myself or just have a normal conversation. And then mm -hmm. that kind of, then you can shift from, okay, this one person to this one person and it kind of simplifies the situation that you are in. Um, and in this case, this kind of, change situation like basically ignore everything that was happening uh, around the tree of us talking um, yeah hey, I wonder if uh, if it was really about the three of you talking or if, or if this kind of talks and this kind of topics and this kind of engagement could have been elicited in the bigger group as well you, if if you would have found a, a better way of connecting with them, yeah, yeah, maybe it could have. But then I also have this thought, you know, um, like that I have these that I'm not enjoying a certain kind of interaction, where there's also often in these kind of situations there's uh, there's drugs in, involved. Um, People are drinking alcohol, maybe people are smoking, smoking something or taking something or whatever. Um, and I think often this also, to me at least, it adds a certain level of mm, superficiality to it. Or like, 
even even like like to not judge the superficial it's like a different kind of need that's being fulfilled for for the other people and i just don't share this need so much and um like i think i've, I've kind of accepted that i don't need to change the situation i don't need to make conversations go what I consider as deep, meaningful, personal conversations. Um, it's okay to just let people do their thing also in, in a group and then see, okay, maybe I can engage one person in an interesting conversation. Um, mm -hmm. But if not, then that's also okay. And I can be with my feelings. I can um, kind of enjoy the time with my mind and like wondering about this bunch of evolved um, apes talk or evolved primates talking to each other and doing weird stuff and how this came to be it's like kind of indulging in my fantasy I guess or in you know, thinking about stuff you're also one of those weird apes exactly yeah so it's a part of the conversation it's like I'm zooming out and then seeing this one um, one weirdly evolved primate ape um, kind of zooming in and then going in his head and then zooming out again observing the situation and making all kinds of analysis about it and drawing it back to prehistoric times and like what significance this has from the universe the perspective of the universe and stuff like that anyway <laughs> we're, we're drifting off a little bit in this example I think well, what was your example that you wanted to share um, this weekend I was uh, I was having a group conversation with the people who I met on the nomad cruise so I could uh, I uh, still keep in touch with them and I still consider them as my friends and uh, sometimes we meet up and it was I arrived a bit later and it was already a very intense debate on on very difficult topics like uh, politics, uh, society, uh, how genders are being perceived in Hungary. That's, that's, that's also a very, very difficult topic, especially in Hungary. And uh, I just got dropped into this group and I, and, uh, I didn't feel like I had anything to say. And then I also didn't say anything and in the beginning I was kind of uh, anxious about it and especially because I have quite broad knowledge on these topics and I and I do have my opinion but but still uh, I didn't it didn't feel natural for me to just jump into that and uh, share the knowledge or share the thoughts but I, I was also very interested in what others were saying and thinking, because I can also learn a lot from from their opinions. So I was first a little bit uh, judging myself for not participating, for not saying anything. And then actually at some points, they also pointed it out that they want to hear my opinion. And uh, I just said that I, I will say something when I find some relevant thoughts or some, some meaningful thoughts to to share and I would prefer to listen for now. 
and then of course they were joking with gargulisms <laughs> but that's actually that's what i was doing and then and then it took some time maybe one hour or something when it, when we reached a topic and a point where i could also feel uh, natural to contribute and um, so the question is for me how how do you experience yourself in in these kind of cases like do you go on with your anxiety and do you judge yourself or you just accept that okay well now i don't feel like talking and uh, that's also completely fine i trust that the others accept me if i don't say anything i know that for me listening is also very very valuable so why shouldn't i just do that i can learn a lot of the from those people i can i can get to know them better by just listening to them and uh, when we got to some mental health topics i could i also felt very confident to express my opinion and express my experiences um, and it was uh, also a very positive aspect of it that i think one or two people complimented me that even though I stayed very quiet throughout the evening or throughout the first part of the evening, whenever I spoke, I had some very important and relevant things to, to summarize or to, to point out in, the, in this whole messy conversation that, that, we were, that people were just, you know, throwing in their opinions and then uh, reacting very emotionally to certain kind of things. And that they were happy that there was at least one person who kind of could, could see through all these and point out some important overlaying uh, factors, for example. So that was also new to me because sometimes I also feel this anxiety when I'm in group situations that oh, should I have to say something? Should I have to connect with these people? Okay, what do I do? How, how can I, should I just, you know, jump in with my, with my thoughts? What what is the right way? And now I can just be very more calm about it and more accepting of how I want to be, even though it might seem to me as not the best, not the desired behavior. It's very interesting for me to hear that. Um, like, it seems like the biggest part that elicited these uncomfortable feelings these feelings of anxiety in you was the thought that you should be different than you were like you should conduct yourself in some way that didn't really came so natural to you yeah. because you had some kind of um, notion that kind of it seems like an underlying belief it's like what this part spoke from that it is more valuable to speak and to assert myself than it is to keep quiet. And I think what you did, what it sounds to me afterwards is that you reappraised that. Um, so you were kind of tuning into yourself. It's like, hey, you know, actually, I, I value listening very much. And um, it's not necessary to just blurt out my opinion, especially when I don't really want to. And I think that's beautifully illustrated that when you actually got the chance to 
you actually got the invitation even to uh, share your opinion, you were like, no, actually, I, I, I rather listen. So, so it's not only like, oh, yeah, I don't have to take the chance, but even when it's offered, I can stay with what I uh, naturally want to do. And what mm -hmm. you want to do in that situation is listen. Mm -hmm. And to see also that oh, yeah, by listening, I can... But like the thing is, I guess by listening, you can learn more than by speaking, right? Because you already know what you think, at least to yeah, a substantial yeah. degree. And by listening, you can learn something new. You can learn something about the person. You can learn something about how they see the world. You can learn something about the world itself. Um, and then again, you made the experience that that was something that was highly valued. Um, and that that's the role that you naturally take in a group. And that's something that you can really contribute to the group dynamic. Mm -hmm. Interesting, right? That's also very important uh, realization when you focus on authenticity, that actually, if you just keep yourself to what you think is good, you will, what you know, just keep yourself how you feel like naturally behaving it might have the opposite effects as you might have thought. So you might have judged yourself based on those behaviors before, but once you carry them out and you stay true to yourself in those areas of your life, mm -hmm. you might realize that it is actually just as beneficial as conducting yourself in another way or even more beneficial in some areas. So just you learn to trust that however you are is all right in in a large variety of situations yeah, and that's even the most like yeah it's more even more valuable to be uh, yourself to truly um, like act out your authentic self than to try mm. to be something that you're not because i guess trying to be something that you're not is always effortful it's always putting some kind of strain upon yourself yeah and it's it's also that's also felt either consciously or subconsciously by the people that you're with and it also i guess allowing yourself to be what you are and to act how you uh, generally want to act also invites other others to do the same it's like you give permission to others to be vulnerable as well Mm -hmm. And you will be also better able to connect to those people who fit you more naturally. Like I was, because I know that these people are quite open and acceptive uh, in general. So I was wondering, is it because they are in this way? Or maybe if I would have been in another group setting with different people, would would they have also accepted me in this way? But uh, that's actually just one part of the question because you want to be with people who accepting, who are accepting you in the way you are, regardless of who those people are. I mean, okay, not completely regardless of that, but generally speaking, you want to, you want to, at least I want to feel natural in majority of my life I want to act how I feel like acting and by 
acting the way I feel, I, I'm also drawn to people who are accepting this and who are who like this 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 uh, these qualities that I have. Yeah, and the only way to find out who these people are that are acceptant of who you truly are is by uh, acting it out by allowing yourself to experience what you experience and to express that. And yeah. even though it is might be uncomfortable to find out that some people you would want, you, you would like that, that, um, to accept you, to like you, that they don't, it's better to find out that they don't than to, I know, keep, like, stay in this environment where you're not accepted. And mm. uh, you, you need to constantly restrict yourself. I think that's a very even transform situations in which maybe initially, I think it's actually rather rather likely that initially people don't like it when you, let's say, suddenly start to behave um, more authentically, more genuinely express yourself. You think they don't like it? Like it, it, it challenges the status quo. If the status quo is to be a certain way and to conform to the group, then mm. something that is... Um, well, that, that's different than that, then probably there will be elicited something like, hmm, this is unfamiliar. I don't know how to deal with this. Um, and it's also not how they know you if up until that point you have you have conformed and you have played a role. So like, I think it's initially it, it is like a confrontation, both for yourself as for the people around you. Um, but it might very well be worth the confrontation. Mm -hmm. Like even that you were acting in, in a different way uh, previously, and people are used to that, and then you change, yeah, it can be very confrontational. And I mean, like, like now it, it seems a bit like, oh yeah, you know, you were completely playing a role, you were wearing a, like five layers of masks and then suddenly you tear it off. Um, and it's like, oh, look at my real face. Which is, of course, it's in reality, it's it's not really like that. It's a, it's a gradual process, um, and, and I think confrontation is part of that. And it's like, yeah, I think that that's yeah. We talked about that a bit last time. Is you know, um, taking little steps to kind of maybe test the water a little bit and see where can you be vulnerable, where are people acceptant of that and uh, receptive. Mm -hmm. um, um, I would slowly start to uh, yeah, round it off. Okay. Um, is there any last thoughts you would like to share about this uh, this topic? Yeah. Maybe one, one idea that, that popped up uh, is uh, perhaps you could share, um, like, what are you currently working on regarding, uh, like, yeah, moving towards this this vision or this authentic career? Cool. Good. <laughs> That's actually not a single thought. It's quite the complexity of tasks or end projects. I think right now I'm more... I'm still in a very exploratory 
phase. So I know that mental health counseling, uh, dealing with people is uh, of high importance to me, but I'm still looking for connections and projects I can join and uh, yeah, tasks I can, I can carry out or jobs or, or uh, activities that I, that I will find meaningful to pursue because I don't know yet. Uh, I have some, some directions, but then it happens sometimes that I start walking on the path and I realize that, okay, this is not really what I want to do. But I'm starting several of these paths simultaneously and then I can, I can have a better overview of, of what I actually enjoy doing. So right now, I, I counted last week, I have nine different projects now. Maybe I cannot even list them all now. <laughs> but uh, so I'm still uh, writing business plans for, for small companies, which is uh, something I, I brought from my uh, background in economics. And, and I actually really like, like the extent to which I'm occupied with this. So it gives me a sense of satisfaction, a sense of uh, proficiency in this area. I like, I enjoy doing that, but it's not taking all my time of my day. And I also have a, a different project management job to which I can say same kind of things. Um, there are some valuable aspects of it and I enjoy doing that, but it's also not my main direction and it's also not taking a significant part of my day. And then I'm doing the counseling session, the one-on-one -on -one counseling, which I really enjoy. I'm very happy for that. Three, four, we are doing the support groups together. FS Later doing support groups for participants from all around Europe, I think now. And then we have the workshops on facilitating support groups for other facilitators. <laughs> it's five. And uh, I'm, I'm mentoring to high school students who would like to apply to the Netherlands uh, for university. And then, uh, what else? Now I might start a very, very interesting project. Uh, I was doing some market research with a friend of mine. It would be focusing on the psychologists and psychiatrists. Uh, and it would, we would create a very thorough and very good quality uh, online course on how they can set up their own businesses and how they can um, treat their profession as as a as a business as as entrepreneurs because we realize that there are these professions for example lawyers or psychologists who are learning so much on how they can provide very good service in their area of ex expertise but these professions for these professions you have to be an entrepreneur as well to some extent you have to be able to sell yourself you have to be able to have a good overview of your taxes of the legal requirements and that's something nobody teaches you and then you leave school or you you start your your profession as an employee somewhere 
but actually you could do much better you could you could have your own business you could have your own you could be your own boss if if you learn a bit more of an entrepreneur mindset if you learn a bit more about taxation about legal requirements and just uh, set it up for yourself so that's something I'm, I'm looking forward to to start and there were some other projects as well but i can't remember now unfortunately <laughs> so for the last talk these these are the things that i'm engaged with and generally i'm i'm quite happy with my everyday life now all right yeah that sounds like a great diversity of different projects that you're working on also in some different directions and i also see quite some say, synchronicity or like a resonance between the different projects that you're pursuing yeah um, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to like in part work with you on some of these projects and also to yeah hear more about these uh, projects and see how they will further develop and evolve um, and I hope we can chat again about about some of them and how they um, how they turned out in a couple of weeks or a few months. Um, oh, they are going to be amazing, I'm sure. <laughs> it was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, uh, thank I you. I really enjoyed it. Same here. Um, and thank you all for listening. And we hope to uh, we hope you will tune in next time again. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks.